great. More of them traveling. We look forward to next week, hopefully having the whole family with us. Uh, it's wonderful, wonderful. Love you guys. Well, you guys too. Um, but uh, it, it's great. Uh, quickly, a show of hands. Uh, if Jesus was in the flesh uh, and was coming uh, here sometime this spring and he was hungry, who would make him a meal? You would. You would. Good. A lot of hands. A lot of hands. Good. And that's convenient because we have a college lunch sign up. A little paraphrase, a little paraphrase of a scripture is whenever you've cooked college lunch for the least of these, you've cooked college lunch for me. And, uh, and, and that applies here because, well, my buddy Austin, he certainly uh, fulfills the least of these, right? Okay, well, I love you, man. That's why I pick on you. So we're going to pass this around. Actually, it worked at the 9 o'clock. Uh, so we only have a couple of uh, spots. So, so get your name on there if you're willing to participate in that ministry. It's a wonderful thing. We love blessing you guys. We get blessed even more by it. It's great. Um, and just remember, uh, you know, uh, pending uh, the budget, um, which we're going to vote on on the 25th, uh, the college provides about $100 a week for you to do that. So if you'd love to do it, but you're worried about the money, um, um, you can do that. Um, we like to remind ourselves of what God has called us to while we're here, uh, our purpose statement. And so uh, we'd ask you to bring that up. I'd ask you to sit up, clear your throats. Let's say this all together really loud like we mean it to be a growing, relevant family of missionaries whose desire is to see Western and Gunnison know Jesus Christ. Now, if you hang around here a lot or if you're just kind of checking it out, there's something you need to know. We are so darn in love with Jesus, it's not funny. Uh, We can't sing his praises loud enough. We can't say his name often enough. We can't preach his word passionately enough. We love Jesus and we love people who are far from him. We love people who are far from him in the college and in the community. And so he does, too. And we want to provide that introduction. So we've got a couple of series here that are coming up that are a perfect opportunity for you to invest and invite. Invest in somebody that you care about. It might be a friend, might be a spouse, might be a family member, might be somebody you work with who is far from God that you know you know needs to be blessed with knowing Jesus Christ. Needs the new life He promises. So invest in their lives. Get to know them. Pour your life into them. And invite them here so they can hear the good news and respond to it, as so many have, had, have done. Oh, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. To tell you what we've got, just before we dive in, um, coming up, this is the first in a three-week series called, What If Jesus Really Meant It? What if Jesus really meant it? And we're going to be looking at different things that Jesus had to say that most of us uh, would probably prefer we could cut out of our Bibles. That it would be more convenient, some of the more difficult teachings of Christ. And if he really meant it, that means we have to do life. We have to do faith. We have to do church. We have to do existence differently. And so we're going to take a look. We're going to go deep. It's a great opportunity if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're just checking out the faith, to find out what it, what, what it is at its core. It's wonderful. So three weeks of what if Jesus really meant it. Then we go into an exciting series called Man Up. Man Up. It's about being a man of God. What does that look like? What is that? In all its toughest and tenderest and wonderful warrior, protector, lover, Father, brother, son, all of that. It's going to be great. So if you're a man or a woman who loves a man or hopes to one day, we need to get men here. We need to get them blessed. We need to get them equipped. We need to get them built up. 
It's going to be great. We're going to look at the Word of God. We're going to engage Jesus Christ in this way for guys and the women who love Him. Man up! Three weeks. You can't miss it. We're trying to make it really interesting. I'm trying to arrange to serve bacon to all of the males before before the service. We'll have the donuts. You'll have the bacon. We'll clog up our arteries and fire up our hearts all in the same hour. It's a beautiful thing. Invest and invite. Who is it going to be? Who's it going to be? Because 90% of our community is unchurched. There's plenty of choices. Come on. Invest and invite. They're going to be blessed. And then... February 22nd, we're going to go verse by verse through the awesome, incredible, transforming book of Acts. And everything that you think you know about church, about Jesus Christ, about doing life, about doing faith, is going to be challenged and exploded in a beautiful way. It's going to be great. We're looking forward to that. So stay tuned. Get your seatbelts on. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 is where we're going to get our, our trunk verse, where we'll be focusing this week. And as you do, while you're turning there, uh, if you were able to be with us last Sunday night, this is just a, another uh, thing I need to make you aware of. We were over at Juanita Hot Springs for a potluck dinner and baptism service. Eight people was wonderful, reenacted the death, the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ as they made commitments, fresh commitments to him. Eight people, it's wonderful. Now, it was a great spiritual blessing. You might say, how is it a spiritual blessing? In the dead of winter, in the coldest spot that God created on earth, to drag half-naked people 30 miles away and dunk them in water outside. Maybe it's a spiritual blessing if you're a polar bear. But it's because we don't have our own portable baptistry for this church. We don't. We've been borrowing communities. And that's worked out okay, but we're kind of overstaying our welcome with that. You know what I'm saying? We've had 36 people, praise God, since last January, take this step of faith and be baptized. Now, a new baptistry costs $3,000. That sounds like a lot. Sounds like a lot, but you, 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 you multiply it out. And like just recent Baptist people, people have been baptized. That's like, that's like less than 100 bucks a soul. That's a great deal. Right? I mean, what's a soul worth? Right? And the countless others, by the grace of God, who are going to come to him and take this step of faith in the future becomes an awesome deal. Think about this. We're a Baptist church. We don't have a baptistry. That's called an oxymoron. The root of that word is moron. We want to fix that. So... We don't have it in the budget, but we need it because God is moving and God is working. And if you want to make a check out, you can just put baptistry in the memo portion. That's great. If you have cash, you probably want to see me. Don't don't hand it to Matt. He's a little sketchy. Um, we hope you'll get uh, we hope you'll get involved. Hope you'll get involved. Now, get in mind the person that that you were thinking of when we talked about invest and invite. Get that person in mind. We're going to pray. Father, please. Please, we are desperate for your touch. We are desperate for your word. Lord, we are desperate for your spirit to come and fall upon us that your truth might penetrate to the deepest parts of who we are and leave us transformed. Lord, you are so wonderful. It's beyond our ability to articulate it. 
And Lord, your heart is for those who are far from you, those people that we care about, that you long for. Lord, I pray for them right now, the people we will invest in and invite. Lord, so that they might meet you and join us on this wonderful, wondrous journey of faith and mission to glorify your name and to advance your kingdom. Lord, thank you for your word. As I bring it, I am mindful of the fact that I'm unworthy. And I ask you to forgive me. And don't let me get in the way of what you want to do. Be mighty in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 9, 23, that's where we're looking. You got your Bibles, open them. If you don't, take one on the way out. Bring it back. But it's yours to keep. Leave the pens. We're in verse nine, chapter 9, verse 27, 23 rather. I'd like you to read it with me. These are the words of Jesus Christ. And here he says, if anyone would, they're small words. They're easy to pronounce. Say it with me, will you? If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Okay, stop there. What if Jesus really meant that? What if Jesus really meant that? I'm asking us to engage the Word of God in a new way. Not to just say, yeah, I've been there, read that. Let it penetrate. What if Jesus really meant that? That anyone He's talking about is me. That anyone He's talking about is you. And we have to do three things. We have to deny ourselves. We have to take up our cross daily And we have to follow him. How much of that, even if we are followers of Jesus Christ, how much of that is in our mindset? You you wake up, you smack the snooze, you get up on the third time. You go, you say, oh, I got such a busy day. I got to make the coffee. I got to eat. I got school. I got work. I got this. I got that. The kids have basketball practice. Whatever it is, where are you saying, okay, today I'm going to deny myself more. I'm going to pick up my cross and I'm going to follow Jesus. Because unless we're doing that, he said, must. We have to do that. It's what it's about. It's what it's about. So that's what we want to take a look at. We want it to penetrate. This is part of the good news. This is part of the good news. Denying ourselves, taking up our cross, following him. You say, Tom. Because that's my name. Tom, this doesn't sound like good news. And I say, I know. It doesn't. But it's coupled with the resurrection. So on the other side of this is new life, right? It's the hope and the joy and the peace and the fulfillment. But to get there, what we have to do daily is deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him. So we're going to unpack this in three sections as we ask the question, what if Jesus really meant it? Say, maybe Jesus needs a spin doctor. Maybe He needs like a spiritual marketing guy is going to come along and say, Jesus, I think I see where you're going with this message. I think I see that. But here's what I want to pitch to you. If you stayed away from the denying yourself and the carrying of the cross, it's just not seeker friendly. I'd stay with the blessing and the, uh, and the regeneration and the hope and, and the new life. I think you're going to do better there. But Jesus didn't need a, a spin doctor. He meant What he said, what if Jesus really meant it? And we look at this, we look at this 
And as I spent time with this this week, it scared the pants off me. Now, get that image out of your mind. The pantsless image. I'm speaking metaphorically. It scared me to death. Why? Because Jesus really meant it. How much am I denying myself? How much am I picking up my cross daily? And how much am I following Him? Here's the problem. Here's the, here's the situation. It's not the problem. But, you know, Bible beginning to end. Here it is. Genesis 1 and 2. God creates us in His own image. He creates everything. And it's good and it's perfect and it's the way He intended it to be. Ever since then, our spiritual father and mother, our spiritual parents, Adam and Eve, they, they sinned. They fell. And so by nature and by my own sinful choice and by your own sinful choice, we've broken that relationship with God and with other people. And Jesus says, I can't live without the people I love being with me. So he comes, he lives a life we can't live. He dies the death as our substitute that we deserve, taking our punishment on the cross. And, and all of this is to bring people back to himself, to bring them to brokenness and forgiveness, to relationship restored, to creation restored. And the end of Revelation, he says, behold, I make all things new. And he's starting that with, with some of you as we come to him and we give our lives to him. And all of that stuff is on the other side of the cross. See this new life, that regeneration. I have to deny myself, take up my cross daily and follow him. I don't earn that. That's just the way I follow him. He earned all that stuff for us on the cross. We can't add to it. It's his finished work. I want more than anything to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I really do. Parts of me don't. Parts of me don't. We can't get this wrong. It's too important. Jesus tells us in the next verse, Matt, if you bring that up, verse 24, he makes it very clear. This is a life and death decision. This is of life and death importance. Whoever wants to save his life, whoever wants to have life in this life and for eternity will lose it, which doesn't mean misplaced. It means to die means to die. But whoever loses his life, whoever dies for me, will save it. We'll find it in him. We can't get this wrong. We can't get this wrong. If we get this following Jesus thing wrong, we're screwed. We are. I'm serious. And, and some of you are more upset about the fact that I use that word in church than you are that the family of God might get the following Jesus part wrong. And that is messed up on so many levels. Because that's what matters. That we follow Him. So I plead with myself. I plead with the church. Let's get this right. Because Jesus really meant it. So we're going to unpack this in three parts. We're going to unpack this in three parts. What does it mean? What does it mean to deny yourself? To deny yourself. Does that mean when you call me up at home, you say, hello, is Tom there? I say, well, 
there's nobody here by that name. Is that denying myself? I don't do that. Unless you're calling to complain about the church or the message, then I might. Um, That's not it. If that's what you think it is, you're not getting it. But the disciples didn't get it. The disciples didn't get it. He said these very words. This is toward the end of his ministry. He's about, he's preparing himself, right, to, uh, to go to the cross. He's telling his disciples about this. They've spent all this time with him. After he tells them this, same chapter. What do they say? Verse 46. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Clueless. Absolutely clueless. He says, you've got to deny yourself. An argument arose as to which would be the greatest. Church people from the age one didn't get it. We need to get it. We need to get it. We have the benefit of hindsight, the Holy Spirit. We're going to get it. Rick Warren, in his very popular book, Purpose Driven Life, makes an excellent point. First word to that book is, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about me. In fact, bring up uh, 923 if you would. Look at the bookends of this verse. If anyone would come after me, Jesus said, and it ends with, and follow me, it's beginning to end and everything in the middle about him. Our lives are to be about him. That's what it's about. Here's the problem. My life is still too much about me. Can you relate? Anybody? Anybody been there? Good. The rest of you, why don't you go get lunch? You're done. It's still too much about me. If we're following Jesus because of what we can get out of it, we may not be following Jesus at all. If we're following Jesus so we can live our lives and so we can ask him to bless all the things that we're about, all the things that we want, all of our plans, we may not be following Jesus. When we deny ourselves, we're denying our will and training it in for his. In every attitude, in every decision, in every relationship, and in everything we're doing, we're saying, God, I don't know the way to go. I want to be used for your purposes, not my own. You created me. You made me. The Bible says he knit us together in our mother's womb and he has a plan for us. I want that. I want to spend my life being used by you for whatever you want. And his plans are infinitely better than ours. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man. But the end of that is death. Seemed right at the time. Our plans for our own lives. The way we wanted to go. The way we wanted it all to turn out. Since you're living in death, you're experiencing it now in so many relationships, in so many areas of your life. Seem right at the time. But he's saying, I offer you life and life to the full and life in me. But to do that, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to deny yourself. It's hard. It's hard. We've got to reject self-centered, self-centered thinking, self-centered living. We do it when we come to Christ first, right? We say, you know, our way is wrong. 
Your way is right. I repent of my sins. I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to be forgiven. I want the work of the cross to apply to me. I want your resurrected life inside of me. And then what do we do? We're now believers. We're now forgiven. We're now justified. Then what do we It's all about me again. Okay, I got Jesus. Now I'm going to go my own way. I want church to be just like I want it to be. I want life and work and plans to be just the way I want it to be. How about following Jesus as if he really meant it? It's still about denying ourselves. Picture a body. Picture, well, don't picture mine again. You already did that. I don't, I don't want to upset your stomach before lunch. Bible talks about an old person, an old man, our old self, our flesh, and the new life that Christ offers. Imagine this is a, that the new life comes into me and it is blue, okay? And then there's this old person, this old sinful flesh. It's red. Every time I deny myself, I become less and he becomes greater. His life in me, right? Every time I don't, the old man keeps going, grows. And I squeeze out the new life that Christ died to give me. It's a progressive thing. We need to grow in denying ourselves. Grow in denying ourselves. It's not about me. It's not about me. There's an old guy. He's not here, so he wouldn't mind me saying that about him. Because he's really old. He's like, came over on the Mayflower old. He's old. You can, you can almost see his flesh breaking down. It's, it's a, but he's always smiling. He's full of joy. He's very old. He comes here during the summertime, lives in another state. He called me this fall from his home. Because there was a friend of his who was in the hospital and needed some some prayer and some encouragement and went over there. He said, before I hang up, I need you to know this. I love coming back in the summer. I love coming back to Bethany in the summer. I don't get the music. I don't understand it. I sing as best I can. But what I see is the future of the church in the young people who are being transformed by God's word, who are pouring out their hearts in worship and are growing in him and bringing their friends. I see the future of the church and I know it's not me. It's them. And I want them to be blessed and mighty in the Lord. He gets it. He's denying himself. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the people Jesus loves, those in the church and those who are far from him. And when you get done with all of that, then you can say, I prefer this. I prefer that. Our lives are not our own. We have to deny ourselves. What if Jesus really meant deny yourself every day? is a step. It's a step to denying ourselves more so that we can live out the new life in Christ that much more. You see, we have a choice. Every time we deny ourselves, we exalt Christ. Every time we do not deny ourselves, we deny Christ. Progressive sanctification. 
progressive sanctification. It's a, it's a word you're going to be hearing a lot from Matt and from me. It means after we come to Christ, right? We're forgiven. We're justified. Jesus see, God sees us as sinless. We have the faithfulness of Jesus Christ paid for on the cross. He says, you are my children. But sanctification is a different thing. Sanctification is him making this, working this out in our lives to make us look more and more like Jesus Christ. To bring that justification reality alive in us. And that is progressive. It's a step by step, day by day, month by month, year by year. We need to take this day and be a step closer to denying ourselves. But not as much as tomorrow. And we're going to challenge each other. We're going to encourage each other. Because Jesus really meant it when he said, deny yourself. I really meant it when I was trying to get you out of here a little. Okay. What if Jesus really meant it when he says, pick up your cross. Pick up your cross. This is a warning. Because there's, there's things out there. And this is not about my wisdom. It's about the word of God. There's a lot of movement out there that offers Christ without a cross. Right? That Jesus, Jesus came to make us happy and, and to feel good. No. He didn't come to make our lives better. He came to give us new life. He didn't come to, to just make us find a parking spot in the front of Walmart. You know, I hear so many people, oh, Jesus is so good. He found me a best parking. He's about more than that. He wants you to die to the old person so that he can resurrect the new you, the person he created you to be. And to do that, we have to pick up our cross. And, and people say, pick up your cross. You know, that's kind of an expression. You've heard it a lot. It's just my cross to bear. Just my cross to bear. And we, we use that to describe like inconveniences. I'm lactose intolerant. I guess that's just my cross to bear. The seat heater in my car is acting up. It's just my cross to bear. Come on. Come on. The people he was talking to understood it. Some of you have been through a lot. Untold suffering. Breakup of marriages. Loss of loved ones. Family members, sickness, I don't know, bankruptcy, whatever you got. It's my cross to bear. They would have understood that the cross means death. It's like saying us saying, okay, I need you to daily haul around the electric chair. It's an agent of torture and death, the cross was. It's what he did on our behalf. It's what he did on our behalf, and he say, you have to identify with that. There must be a death in our own life. Yes, I want to give you fulfillment. Yes, I want to give you life abundant. Yes, there's joy. What about all that stuff we talked about? The joy, the hope, the promise, the victory. It's on the other side of the cross. And we need to pick up our cross daily and follow him. What do we need to die to? The old person. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5 tells us what we need to die for, to. But mark this, Paul writes to Timothy, his son in the faith, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, need to die to that. Lovers of money need to die to that. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous. Sound familiar? Without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, 
conceited, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. Oh, they're coming to church, but denying its power. Because they're not picking up their cross. They're not identifying with the cross. They're not dying to self to live for Christ. He not only wants us to live for him, it's better than that. He wants to relive his life through us. Best way for you, if you're a movie buff like me, you ever like watch scary movies? You see those people who are possessed by an evil spirit. They, They do things differently. They talk differently. They act differently. Because they're totally under control. They have this thing living in them. Flip that over and make it glorious and all powerful. Jesus wants to live his life again in us. And if we take this seriously about picking up our cross and dying to self and allowing him to live his resurrected life in us, what would that look like? It would look like Jesus walking the streets of our town, shopping in our stores, eating in our, in our restaurants, visiting our bars, going to places that, that most people wouldn't want to go to because that's what he did. Living his life, loving his love, sharing his truth, challenging people to say, there is a life that I've died to give you. We need to deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. We need to take up our cross daily, daily. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty one. I die every day. Paul says, I die every day. How could that be true? If he died to self and is living for Christ, why does Paul, who is so much more spiritual than I am, than anybody I've ever met, he wrote most of the New Testament, how come he has to die every day? Because we take our old selves and we give them mouth to mouth. We resuscitate it, right? We keep it alive. We're connected to it. We love it. Our addictions, our habits, our sinful attitudes, our way of loving or not loving, judging, not judging, gossiping, hurting. Paul needs to die every day. So do we. So do we. And so that's the plan. That's the plan. Galatians 2.20. It's a beautiful verse. It's a wonderful verse. This is Paul. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's not just the way he's believing. This is not just the way he's thinking. This is not his theology. It's penetrated deeper. He doesn't just know about Christ. He doesn't just know Christ. He's possessed by Christ. Christ living his life out. Can you say that? Christ is actually living his life out again in your body. Sometimes. Sometimes. In some measure, for me, in some compartments of my life. Because if you're like me, we compartmentalize our lives, right? We have our work life, we have our home life, we have our Addiction life, we have our lust life, whatever compartments, whatever closets you have, we have our church life. Is Christ living in you? Have you let him crucify every room, every section, so that he can live fully, all the time, in every way, in ways more powerful than we ever witness? 
no matter where we live, no matter what churches we've gone to, no matter what Bible studies we've been to, I think the resurrected Jesus living inside of us is different and more powerful and more glorious than we can ever conceive. And we're called to that. And that is wonderfully good news. But it's on the other side of the cross, which from this side looks brutal, looks brutal. But on the other side of the resurrection, it is the most beautiful thing ever. It is a symbol of our hope. It is a symbol of our victory. It is a symbol of us being set free and forgiven and given new life. It is a symbol of the God who made all things, who is before time began and for all eternity, above all princes and principalities and powers and always will be, loves me and paid the punishment that I deserve. It is a symbol that I am loved, that I am forgiven, that I am free. When we pick up our cross, let it not only remind us of the incredible debt, let let it remind us of the incredible promise. People go through life saying, what is my cross to bear? Let's put that on this side for a minute. Think not only what is my cross, but what do I become when I pick it up? I become what Jesus is, a sacrifice. I become a living sacrifice. That's what the Bible calls us to be. And it leads us to the third part. We'll close with this. What if Jesus really meant it when he said, follow me? The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that when Jesus was carrying his cross, when he was going to Calvary, Romans 5.8, it tells us he was going through all of this for people who were far from him, who didn't love him, who didn't love and live the way he called them to. Romans 5.8 says this, God demonstrates, say, where are you reading that from? (laughs) God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So when we, thanks, that was on the fly. When we pick up our cross and we follow him, we go to people who are far from God as living sacrifices. He said, I will do whatever it takes. I will do all in my power. I will come in human flesh and I will pay the penalty and the punishment that my people have earned. So that those far from me can come home to the life that I originally created for them the way I intended it for them. If you were here this summer, you know, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goes on. It's all good things. It's what He created you for. It's on the other side of the cross. When He says, follow me, we think of it in the past tense. Go where Jesus went 2,000 years ago. Say what Jesus said 2,000 years ago. Do what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. That's true. But this is also true and transforming. It means go where Jesus is going. Now. Because he's alive. And he is active. Go where Jesus is going. Do what Jesus is doing. Say what Jesus is saying. Love as Jesus is loving. 
He's still going to the rejected, the marginalized, those who are far from him, those steeped in sin, prostitutes, the tax collectors, those who are not going to happen in the front door of the church. And he's still raising his voice at the church saying, wake up. This is what it's all about. That's what it's about. Us coming to Christ, receiving that new life, being built up in him and going out. Because that's where he's going. We can't just receive him, sit here, learn more about him and wait for him to come back. Because that's not following. Life with Christ is a game of follow the leader. And the leader is going where the church refuses to go. For years and years, the church has said, well, we don't want to get too close to sin. It might rub off. Jesus said, Pharisees, you don't know that the people you don't want to touch are cleaner than you because they know they're broken. They know they're dirty. They know they're diseased. Church of 2009 in America, we need to know that the people who are farthest from God, at least they know they're far from God. Jesus didn't say, don't get me near sin. He said, let me embrace it and make it holy. His churches said, let's go hide. Let's make a little world for ourselves. We'll get our own kind of music. We'll get our own kind of culture. We'll get our own circle of friends. We don't even have to have anything to do with them. Won't that be great? You're not following Jesus then. I got a quote. I want to read it to you. It's from a very respected theologian and pastor, John Stott. He wrote this. We are too Go, as Jesus went, to penetrate human society, to mix with unbelievers and fraternize with sinners, Stott writes. Does not one of the church's greatest failures lie here? We have disengaged too much. We have become a withdrawn community. We have become aloof instead of alongside. And in order to reach and rescue the world, we have to penetrate it. It's that simple. Jesus went, we go. He said, deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. There is pain. There is struggle. We have to daily say, not my will, but yours. Whatever it looks like, whatever it costs, I will hold nothing back. Not my will, not my time, not my finances, not my relationships, nothing. Because this life, as we learned in 30 days to live, will be over like that. And the only things that will matter is what we've done in allowing Christ to live his life through us. Eternity hangs in the balance. What if Jesus really meant it? It's hard. It's hard. If you want comfortable, if you want easy, if you want just pure fun rather than joy, follow Tony Robbins. Yeah, that's scary. Watch Oprah. If you want new life, Follow Jesus. We need Sunday. I desperately need this time.
in his word and with you. Because this denying myself, picking up my cross daily and following him, too tough for me. Not only do I need him to do it, I need you. I need to come away and be energized and encouraged and challenged and held accountable. And we need to do that for each other. That's what church is. That's part of what church is. We need that. But it's more than just Sunday. How do we connect the Word of God on Sunday with Monday through Saturday? We're doing it here through small groups. We're doing it here through small groups where the truths of God don't just stay locked up inside us, but we share it. We challenge each other. We love each other. We pray for each other. We walk with each other. Jesus got Simon of Cyrene. They signed him to help him carry his cross. To help him walk the road. We have each other. We're doing it here. But we're connecting Monday through Saturday. The small groups. I asked Molly Elam. She's a special lady who denied herself and took on the role of a small group leader. I wanted her to tell you what that experience was like and how God is using it. Well, when Matt asked me to be a small group leader, um, I didn't really have to think about it. I said, heck no. I'm not gifted in that at all. I'm just a middle school teacher. By the way, right now I'm pretending you guys are 10, 11, and 12-year-olds. Um, he had asked me again if I wanted to do it, and I thought, no, I don't have the gifts. I, I don't have what it takes to be um, a leader to facilitate a group. And um, the more I thought about it, it wasn't necessarily about what I needed. It was um, what relationship I needed with the Lord and with other people. And I had to deny myself. I still do every week when we get together. There's nothing special that I do, but with the group of women we get together, we come away just touched phenomenally by just sharing with each other and having the gifts that we have, sharing those gifts with one another and gaining from somebody else's gifts. And we don't do anything special, but it's absolutely phenomenal. We're broken down. We pray together. And each week our prayer requests become a little bit deeper because we're more open and broken and look forward to that time to share. And I need you to pray with me for this. And letting down slowly, um, some of us quickly, um, the walls that we've put up that we need each other to be praying for us. And I'm blessed each week. I look forward to the three hours that we get together and pray and cry and hug and laugh with each other and it makes me feel closer to the Lord, closer to Jesus, because I have someone there washing my feet right there with me. Thank you. Molly, how big were you when you started? Um, I seven. How many got now? Eleven. Yeah. People are drawn to it. There's no context in Scripture of doing, doing Jesus, doing faith alone. It's come together. Not just on Sunday. But I want you to engage in these small groups so that we can go deep. So we can get real. So we can help each other. There's high school small groups. There's middle school small groups. There are people engaged in that. We've got uh, this young women's one. There's a, there's a men's small group. There's a men's breakfast. There's women's Bible studies. There's a divorce care. David Duspotic and, and some others are, are doing wonderful work if you're wounded from divorce. If you fear that your marriage might be headed that way. There's a chance to come together and engage with the Word of God and get prayer and get built up. You need to visit our website, www.gunnisonbethany.com.
smallgroups.com. There's information on small groups. We want you plugged in. We want you growing. It's going to help us do this denying, this picking up of the cross, this following of Jesus, this living, this resurrected life, this new life. It's so important. What if Jesus really meant it? What if it's not about you? What if it's not about me? What if it's the God of the universe calling you and calling me to partner with him in the most awesome, indescribable miracle the universe or history has ever known? It means that we have to deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. This is your time to do business with God. Matt shared with me a preacher that he knows that said this. If this is true, we need to deal with it now. If it's not, let's just bug out of here and go get chicken wings. If it's real and it's true, and God has spoken to your heart, do business with him now. It's too glorious not to. I'd ask you to stand in an attitude of prayer. Josh, if you come up and close us in song. If God is speaking to your heart and saying, you know, I need to take that next step. I need to take the next step of denying myself that much more. It's easy for us to say, yeah, I've done it, 100%. Yeah, there's still pieces of me hanging out all over the place. How about you? How about picking up your cross? How about following him? How about trying to do it on your own when he's called us to do it together as a church? If God's doing anything to your heart, now is the time. Don't go get chicken wings. Let's do business. I'll be here if you need to pray.